Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to episode three of season four. I think I got it right that time. Episode three of season four of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, the 43rd best pod- Bama podcast out there. I'm half your host team, JT, along with Tom. Tom, are you there? I am here. I'm the uh, technical side of the podcast, so sorry about the uh, sounds that that sound like they're coming out of a third grade classroom in any small midwestern town i don't know what you're talking about but apparently you are hearing something different <laughs> from me you're loud you're loud and clear here in the metropolis that is red bay alabama well it's yeah, been a good. while since we have uh since we've had a podcast i think we broke down the sec the last time so i see that you've entitled this the others and we are, we're going to talk about the other four power conferences, two tonight and then two next week. And then guess what, Tom? Two weeks, or, and we really should have done this Monday or last night. And we Monday, I don't remember what happened. I think we are just both tired from the traveling, which we'll get into shortly. And yesterday, last night, uh, you didn't text. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll catch up on Better Call Saul. So we both went to bed happy. <laughs> At least I did. But uh, so, but anyway, two week, probably twelve to thirteen days from tonight, we will be in game week. Alabama versus uh, who do we play? Utah State, somebody crappy. I don't know. I know we got Texas game two, but man, it's coming, it's coming quick, and I'm I'm excited. But before we get into all the football talk, which is why you tune in, we're going to hear. We both had some extravagant traveling. Some of uh, Tom more so than me. But, Tom, you have exactly five minutes to tell us how Germany, France, and Australia was. And go. (laughs) First off, Australia is not near uh, Germany and France, but Austria is, and that's where we ended up. But... Darn it. Yeah, we had a we had a family vacay over the last couple weeks. First time I'd ever been over to the, uh, uh, across the pond to Europe, and, uh, uh, lovely wife Deb has been trying to drag me over there for quite some time, and she finally uh, convinced me four years ago that uh, if if uh, I wanted to go, we'd just go on my fiftieth. And so I was hoping she'd forget about it, but she did not, <laughs> alas. But uh, you know, I, I do have some takeaways from it over there. Uh, first off, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for our country to see what they're doing over there. I'm sorry to have to say that, but uh, I mean, you've been over, you've seen it. I mean, Germany in particular is such a beautiful country, and their interstates are so much better than ours. 
Uh, they have no litter, no potholes, no broken down cars on the side of the road, no shredded tires flying up everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 beautiful. It's clean. It's 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 it's, it's great. And of course, they have the Audubon over there. And guess what? Nobody passes on the right. <laughs> I bet they <laughs> all don't. the slow traffic stays on the right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it was really just sort of a, a an eye opening experience as far as how they're running. And I'm not just talking about an isolated thing. I mean, we landed in Frankfurt and we drove uh, down to uh, south part of Germany, down to Fusen. Uh, near the Bavaria uh, Alps, went into Austria, like I mentioned, and drove over to Munich. So we pretty much hit sort of a majority of the country as far as uh, geographically, and, and it was all the same. Very clean, very well kept, um, and the beer was delicious. You know, I mean, yeah, I had to <laughs> sample the beer, away. of course. That's my takeaway. But, you know... France was very similar. France was not as well kept as Germany, but it was still heads and shoulders above us. And and it just made me a little bit sad that uh, we're so far out in left field with our infrastructure and the way that just our general population thinks about, um, you know, litter or preserving things that are beautiful or, you know, just taking care of, of what we have. And it, it, it was just a little, little sad to me, but otherwise it was a wonderful trip. Um, yeah, you've been to Paris before? I have, yes. Yeah. So that everybody always says, Oh, Paris is beautiful. Paris is, and it is, uh, there's no taking that away from it, but I had no earthly idea just how architecturally beautiful they made that whole mm -hmm. city. I mean, the entire city is the same architectural buildings everywhere. I'm not talking about, oh, like you go to New Orleans and, oh, yeah, it's like a French style and New Orleans has got a mishmash of buildings and you see some... No, these buildings are all identical. They're all seven stories tall. They're all stone. And when I say identical, I mean, there's 40 square miles of these buildings. Yeah, it's, it's, uh... you can't go anywhere without seeing them and they're every i mean if if you go and find a mall we went into a mall uh the last day to get the girls some stuff you know some souvenirs and stuff mm -hmm. we go into the mall and i kid you not we walk One in minute. and it's an open <laughs> it's an open air structure and it has like this uh 10-story tall cathedral ceiling with uh stained glass dome in it i mean it was unbelievable and you know the whole city's like that so i, I don't know i i had a i had a good time i mean it, it's not my idea of of a vacationing because deb is a run 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 ccc type of person and i'm a sit 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 drink 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 type of person <laughs> yeah. but uh i i managed to get in my punches where i could and you know, and I'm I'm glad I saw it. I I don't necessarily think I want to go back because it makes me too sad for our own country. <laughs> yeah. The only thing, uh, yeah, and I I have not been to Germany and uh, or Austria, and like you said, the infrastructure. I understand what you're saying, and I, and I agree somewhat. But you know, how many countries can you visit in a day 
uh, when you're over in that, you know, in, over in Europe. I mean, you can hit three, four countries a day. You struggle to hit three, four states in a day here, depending on where you are. If you're on the East Coast, I'm sure you can knock out four or five states. But if you're at, if you're, let's just say you're at Montgomery, Alabama, how many states can you cover in a day? Maybe four? You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably, probably four. So we're just so big. And I, I, I don't know. But yeah, France, France is really cool. Or Paris in general, because the you know the Eiffel Tower of course is the um, is the the centerpiece and did y'all do did y'all go up in it I know I'm sure the girls did. no no oh, no man. they 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 they'd already been up in it and I had no interest in it we we got we took a a dinner cruise down the river to watch it at night so yeah. you know that was pretty cool just yeah. seeing it so we did that and that was neat but you know they built that was it for the World's Fair or something. And they had every intention of tearing it down, you know, disassembling it. And then it became such uh, an iconic monument. And no building in Paris can ever be taller than the Eiffel Tower. And it was yeah, impressive. Did. It was impressive. I yeah. agree. Go ahead and finish up. Now, I was going to say, for the buildings, unless unless it's a special building like a a church or, or whatever, you know, they, they only allow them to build seven stories. All those, all those buildings are seven stories tall for the most part, unless you got a cathedral or something special, you know, that's exempted, but just day in and out, seven stories. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain until you actually see it. It's just wild. So, uh, and apparently a church or a mall is special because you said the mall is like 10 stories. So I guess it's exempt too. I don't know how they got that building, dude. I have no earthly idea. I'm, I'm guessing they repurposed a building from, you know, that was already there for some other reason. I'm sure there was not a, uh, uh, you know, a Coles department store back in the 1800s. So I'm sure it was <laughs> repurposed yeah. somewhat, but it was just, it was such a wild experience to, to go in there and see that. Well, speaking of the Eiffel Tower, you know, I did a little bit of traveling myself and I, Dale put a picture on Facebook of the Eiffel Tower and I said, still not as impressive as the Eiffel Tower I visited in the past two weeks, which is at Las Vegas. So Misty and I went to Vegas and we stayed at Caesars and to the, the sole purpose of the trip was to see the chili peppers. We flew in, found a great flight, man. I don't know why more cities don't do this. It's a Thursday night red eye, if you want to call it that, from Nashville. Leaves at 9.45 p.m., direct flight. You land in Vegas at 11.30. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of late, but for our age especially, we're ready to get there and go to bed. But, dude, imagine that you're 25 to 35 and you fly into Vegas and you land at 1130, you're not, you're, you're not, you don't have to get a hotel room that Thursday night. You're just going to hit the tables and gamble and you'll, you know, kind of chill out on a couch or whatever, and then sleep by the pool till you can check in the next day. But we, we stayed at on Fremont, we stayed at Golden Nugget. I was always interested oh, in that place. Awesome ever, place. Ever since Tab. It's got uh, the sharks, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Ever since Tab tried to walk from there to the, the stratosphere, I've been intrigued by, by the Golden Nugget. And it was nice enough, but it you know it's not on the strip, man. I, and I, we, we actually went into Circa, and Circa looked very cool. You know, that's the huge sports book. And I think if we yep, ever stay yep. at Fremont again, we will stay at Circa. But we went out there for the chili peppers. That was my uh, Santa Claus present from mom and dad. And uh, it was in Allegiant Stadium. And, man, it was it was awesome, which I'm a huge chili peppers fan. And 
and then also, so last one, I'm kind of going to kind of talk more Chili Peppers than Vegas because, uh, as you might guess, in Vegas I didn't win. Uh, the last machine we played was a Wheel of Fortune game, and we hit for 500 bucks, and that did not bring me back to even. But I told Misty we're cashing out, so I can tell everybody that we, I won. The last machine I played, I won. So we, so fast forward six days, we go see the Chili Peppers in Nashville, and man, it was just. Apologies to Eli and his wife who went with us. I just feel like the Vegas show was better. And the crowds were totally different, man. You remember on PCU when uh, Jeremy Piven's character was talking to Gutter? And he's like, yep. what are you wearing? And Gutter's like, what? He said, you're wearing the shirt of the band you're going to see tonight. To You're wearing their shirt to... The show, he said, "Don't be that guy." Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> well, in Las Vegas, at least fifty percent, if not closer to seventy percent, of the people were that guy. They wore pepper stuff, man. I had never really seen anything like it. And you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are from L.A., and Vegas is just uh, a small, you know, not, not four hour, four and a half hour drive from L.A. And uh, they they really I I feel like the Peppers knew hey this is our hometown I mean imagine imagine a rock band from Birmingham and they're playing Nashville and you see them and they they want to show out for their their home crowd and then you know you see them in Seattle the next week they're probably not going to be as good because they're way away from Birmingham their home base but they were awesome the crowd we you know we talked to some people and uh, a lot of people were there to see the Strokes and they were good. And there were some people yeah. from California. They're like, hey, man, you know, we live in, we, we actually shared a high top table during happy hour at a sushi, at Roku Sushi there in the shops of Caesars. And uh, it was a bunch of 30 somethings. And it was funny. I, I, you know, they said, we're from the Bay Area. And we found out the Strokes is opening. Man, we came here. We could have seen them anywhere in California, but we came here because we want to see the Strokes. So that's how popular the Strokes are on the West Coast. And I said, so you're from the Bay Area. I said, well, I said, like it's so it's funny i said because let's be stereotypical you know we're from alabama i said i feel like every one of y'all are in it he's like uh we actually are <laughs> so, so uh but they they Those played the uh, people they can afford to go over to uh, vegas and see a concert yeah <laughs> i said well we're from alabama what do you want to guess on us no running water no power he's like uh, uh, uh like i think i stole his joke you know but they played uh they played Blood Sugar Sex Magic in Vegas. It was the first time they played it on the on the tour and they did not play it in uh in Nashville. Uh the Nashville show was good, but I just I really felt like Vegas was was better and uh Allegiant Stadium is awesome, man. I really want to watch a football game there. So well, you sort of uh, answer my question there uh, because I was going to ask you if they played the same set or they at least they had the same you know, did they talk? To the, did they have some scripted stuff? They talked to the crowd, no, or not at all. They uh, I mean, they made awesome. fun of uh, Kitas in Nashville. Called he said, uh, "We're having a party after after this show tonight." He said, "You're all invited." It's it's at the pro it's at the uh, pro bass shop. He, he even said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they did not. They don't they don't do a lot of uh, talking to the crowd. They don't have scripted for sure. And Flea will go off on a tangent occasionally and talk about Mother Nature and Earth and the Moon and everything like that. But uh, it, but it's so it's so cool to watch them. And I'll try to remember to, to mention this. Let me talk about the set list first. So they have two openers. They either open with Can't Stop, which is hands down my favorite song by the Chili Peppers. I karaoke did it in Vegas at the Cat's Meow. 
I karaoke did it uh, last weekend at Critters at the Graduate Hotel. Like, can't stop. I really want to see Can't Stop. Well, here's the thing. If they open, if they don't open with Can't Stop, they open with Around the World. And regardless of which song they open with, they do not play the other song in that set. So if you get Around the World, you do not get to hear Can't Stop. If you get Can't Stop, you do not get to hear Around the World. And luckily, they they seldom, they normally flip-flop it. Uh, can't Stop, Around the World, Can't Stop, Around the World. So the show before Vegas, they did Around the World. So I was confident we were getting Can't Stop, and we did. Then they played Atlanta, they played Around the World, then they played Can't Stop in, uh, in Nashville. So I got to see Can't Stop both times. And uh, but the uh, every the second song of every set is Danny California and dude I don't know I think you're a Peppers you like Peppers music but I mean I'm I'm a huge fan. Danny California is one of the the, the best songs they have. I mean it's so good, and uh, and then they kind of bounce around they 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 play Snow everywhere they play they close with um they close with uh, Give It Away. And, uh, and then they encore, they come out for encore, and they do a song that changes, and they, they close out with uh, By the Way, which is fantastic. And uh, in in Vegas, their first encore song was I Could Have Lied. And, man, that's like a B track. So good. And then they close with a – they encored Soul to Squeeze at Nashville and then, of course, close it out with a, with By the Way. But uh, very good. I was going to go see them in Kentucky, but uh, something has come up that I'm not going to be able to go. But that was uh, that was our traveling, man. Uh, and I think I went over five minutes. So I apologize. So let's jump right into the, the, the conferences outside of the SEC. So we're going to discuss two. Or do you have anything else to add on the Vegas and anything before I wrap it up, go to football? You, you said it all, my friend. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, what was I? Okay, that said, I said I hope I remember this. Oh yeah, okay. So in Nashville, they're kind of winding down the show, and they all, they take breaks. Uh, and the and when they when they roll into another song, they don't just start it. They'll they'll jam. They'll jam for 60, 90, 120 seconds, and they'll go into a song. So it gives them a chance, like some you know, Flea a jam, and it gives Frusciani a chance to break, and then Frusciani a jam, and it gives Chad Smith a break. Well, then they're all three jamming, and Keitas takes a break. He's on the edge of the stage, and then he comes over and sits down like a little kid and watches the band play for about two minutes, just enjoying the music. Like they're just—they're such big music fans. Like, I mean, do they do it for the money? I can't answer that question. I'm sure the money's nice, but they like—they love music. So, yeah. anyway, that wraps it up. That's cool. All right, so we're going to uh, four other power conferences tonight. We're going to talk about the Big Ten and the ACC. We'll start with the Big Ten. And Big Ten has one, two, three. They have four ranked teams. They have Ohio State at number two, which is a, a heavily favorite playoff team. They've got Michigan at number eight, who won the Big Ten last year. They've got Michigan State at 15, and they've got Wisconsin at 18. So I, I have not really – you know, we always make fun of the leaders and the legends, and they changed that to the east and the west. So I, I wanted to see, because we're doing it different this year, we're going to talk about the division winners and then like a surprise, something that really nobody sees coming. And it's just our opinion, of course. And then a given, something that pretty much everybody sees coming. Then we're going to go game of the year and talk about who will win the conference. But at the outset, I want to talk about how unbalanced their divisions are. In the East Division, you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. In my opinion, that's – in the last 25, 30 years, 
that is one, two, three, or maybe one, two, four, with maybe Wisconsin slipping in there at number three. But it's just it, it's a terrible, in my opinion, how unbalanced they are. Where in the other, the, in, on the Western Division, I mean, you've got Wisconsin, who has been very successful as of late. Uh, Iowa's been pretty good, but man, Iowa does not have the same name recognition that a Penn State or Michigan. And then on the East, you've got Michigan State up there as well as they're probably what would be considered their fourth team. That's a strong division. We always talk about the West and the SEC being the strongest division in college football, and I agree that's the case. But and the East is pretty tough, while the West, I mean, you got Wisconsin, you got Iowa, you got Nebraska, who, yeah, if this was 1994, <laughs> that'd be awesome. But as of right now, uh, you know, they're they're pretty pathetic. I mean, their coach is on the hot seat, and he's a Heisman Trophy legacy there. So, I, you know, in the in the East, the division winners, uh, I have in the East, I have Ohio State. And I, who do you have in the East? Do you have the same team? Yeah, I have the same team. They're, they're going to be uh, fantastic on offense this year. Fantastic. I, I feel like that, too. Yeah. I mean, they'll only have to be serviceable on defense to get to 10 wins. And if they put together any defensive effort whatsoever, uh, they may not be even competitive uh, or nobody may be competitive at all with them over there in that conference. Yeah, their over-under was uh, 10.5. And I'm like, okay – you know, somebody's like, well, man, that just just two losses gets you. Okay, you're right. Two losses does get you if you take the over. So give me your give me their first loss. You know, Notre Dame at home, I don't think so. Wisconsin at home, I don't think so. At Michigan State, okay, maybe it's on the road. At Penn State in late October, possibly. Michigan at home after what happened last year, I don't see it. So if you want to say, well, Penn State's going to beat them, that's fine. That's eleven and one. Show me their second loss. I just I'm like you. I don't see a second loss for them. And I'm I well, I'll discuss what I have them, what I have the record at uh, later because that's going to be covered in the on the bottom section where I did some handwritten notes, Tom. But uh, in the oh, West, my. in the West, who do you have winning the West? Um, I've got Iowa winning the West. The uh, I, I I took a good close look at their schedule, and he, and here's here's something, and we talked about this before, but. I'll bring it back up. I'm a big fan of teams who can gather momentum. Uh, you know, teams that have have uh, a little bit of time that maybe play a little softer schedule or maybe just have some favorable scheduling that works their way where they maybe get a couple of good home games early on where it might be tough to win on the road, but they could eke out a home win or whatnot. And... The more they win, the more confident they get. The more confident they get, the better they play. And mm-hmm. looking at Iowa's schedule, I think they're, they've got a very, very good chance of being 6-0 and before they play Ohio State. Now, that there's one legitimate game in there that they've got to win. That's Michigan, but they do get Michigan at home there. Yeah. Yep. You know, otherwise, they have South Dakota State, Iowa State, Nevada – at Rutgers and at Illinois, very winnable games could be double-digit favorites in in all five of those games. So you get a home win over Michigan, 
you're six and oh and you get a bye before you go to Ohio State. No, I'm not saying that I expect them to beat Ohio State, but if you're six and oh, you're ranked in the top ten and you're catching a bye week, you'll have some confidence going in that game. So um, you know, I, I if they can get off to a six and start, even if they lose to Ohio State, the back end of their schedule is not tough either. Northwestern at Purdue they get Wisconsin at home again. Their two toughest games outside of Ohio State are at home, Michigan and Wisconsin. And then they end with Minnesota and Nebraska. So very manageable schedule, in my opinion, and that's why I think they get the West. Yeah, I was torn between them and the and the team I picked. I picked Wisconsin, and I think the main reason I picked Wisconsin is because they only have to play one of the two of Ohio State and Michigan. They only pull Ohio State, which will most assuredly be a loss. What concerns me about Iowa – is they have they have uh, or let's, there was one I was wanting to talk about who was it oh yeah I'll talk about that in a minute uh, with Iowa I agree they they can start out at, should start out at four and zero no doubt I don't know that they can win that Michigan game at Illinois they should win that they'll be favored in that but that is Brett Bielema you know he's going to be in year two and then at Ohio State but the back end what is what concerns me is Wisconsin who the team that that is going to be that you know who should finish first or second in the west that is a sandwich game between two road games against serviceable opponents they got at purdue then they have wisconsin then at minnesota and at minnesota on november 19th and not that i was not used to cold weather but dude it's going to be brutal and does minnesota still have the row the boat coach i think they do so it, but but I I don't think it matters. I think that the West winner is going to be a sacrificial lamb to Ohio State. And, you know, you can take Iowa. I'll take Wisconsin. Heck, I'll, you know, if somebody gave me the field in the West or Ohio State, or if they give me the field in the entire conference or Ohio State to win the conference, you got to take Ohio State. They're the best team out there. So we're, we're in agreement there. And uh, so, so a surprise. Okay, so I've got a little bullet point here, surprise, and in parentheses, Something that no one sees coming. What do you do? You have a surprise? Did that make any sense? Yeah, I, I have a, I have a somewhat of a surprise, and I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an overly big surprise because these guys are getting some some run in the off season anyway. But Nebraska could certainly be very, very much improved. I mean, from a purely record standpoint, uh, they went three and nine last year, so it wouldn't <laughs> take much to make a significant improvement. But when you look back at what Nebraska did last year, and sometimes I have to refresh myself when I start looking at things, and then when I started looking at what they did last year, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. That was crazy." And if you if you know what I'm talking about. They lost nine games, and they played one of the toughest schedules in the country last year for the teams they played. I mean, of course, they played Ohio State, and they played Michigan and Michigan State, and and even a, uh, there was a, a big out-of-conference game, too, I think they played. I don't have their schedule in front of me. But they were in every one of those games. Like, they lost all those games, including Ohio State, by one score or less. Yeah, eight or less. It was... It, yeah, it was it was amazing, and so I, like I said again, 
a lot of people have been discussing that, and they get you know they have their starting quarterback back. I believe they have their starting running back and their you know top receiver. So, uh, it it, it they could definitely definitely see a seven eight maybe even a nine win season. I mean they still have a tough schedule, and that's that's the part that hurts. But um, they could they could make some noise for sure. Yeah, they're they're regretting that week four, or actually week they play week zero, so they're regretting that week three game against Oklahoma. Yeah, that is bad be, timing on that. Yeah, at least you know, at least Oklahoma they got them at home, and Oklahoma lost their coach, and heck, they lost their uh, what was it, assistant head coach and wide receivers guy. Um, who was it? He played there, Kel Gundy. Gundy. Apparently, yeah. used a, a no no word, and um, I don't know the players rallied behind him and forgave him and said, Coach, won't you to stay? But he's like, nope, can't do it. So, hey, hats off to him for, uh, for you know, having having those type of standards. But uh, it's, it's unfortunate. I think he said donkey pox. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he said. I'm, I'm not going to – I'm dang sure not going to guess. Later. I'm not sure going to guess to where <laughs> we get kicked off of our own podcast, Tom. <laughs> but my surprise is – James Franklin gets fired at the end of the year, and here's why. Okay, they go to Purdue on the opening weekend on Thursday night. They travel to Purdue. Okay, they should beat Purdue. They're better than Purdue. But, man, do you really want to open up on the road? I mean, the crowd's going to be lathered up. It's just it's not a good, good spot for Penn State there. And then week three at Auburn. I know Auburn is picked to finish seventh in the West, but man, I just we've played down there, and I know I know when Bama plays down there, it's it's a different animal than when Penn State comes down there. But man, Auburn, if they get on them early, they'll win that ball game. So I mean, there's it, conceivably Penn State could start out one and two. Okay, they should win their next two and be three and two. Let's just say that let's just say they drop one of the two, so they're four and one going into the bye week at Michigan. I've got a loss. Minnesota at home is a coin flip. Ohio State at home is should be a loss. At Indiana after Ohio State is going to be a coin flip at best. I would lean Indiana there. And then Maryland at Rutgers closing out with Michigan State. I think he just loses enough to lose his job this year. So that's, that's my surprise is, is Franklin is, is, uh, is fired at the end of the year. Now, a given, something that everyone sees coming, I figure we might both have the same thing. Ohio State is champs of the conference. Is that your given? Uh no, because I covered that uh, extensively oh. in in my praise of them earlier. I think my given is that uh, Michigan will go back to losing three games again. I I still don't respect Harbaugh as a coach. I think he's still partially on the spectrum, and he had a one off year. I think the the uh, uh, the norm is restored. This year, Ohio State wins and Michigan just teeters along at eight and three, eight and four, whatever yeah. many of the games they play, nine and three, something like that. That's yeah. that's what I think is coming back. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I'm not a Michigan fan at all, and I'm definitely not a friend, uh, a fan of Aiden Hutchinson. He went to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony over Will Anderson. I mean, what a joke that was. Yeah, so. Was in summation, Ohio State, I've got them in the playoffs, but I do have them with one loss. I'm not, not going to put my finger on the loss. I just think that I, Ryan Day gets way too much praise for doing – for basically just being the, the biggest fish in a small pond, which is the Big Ten. 
So I think they drop one, whether I don't think they drop Michigan, but whether it's Penn State or some just out of the way team. Uh, I tell you one they're not going to drop, Tom, is the Notre Dame game opening the year. They're going to smash Notre Dame, and it's going to make me very happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't see them losing that one either. That one, that, that one could get very much out of control. All right, so moving on to the ACC, and I hope you looked at my at my topic there. I forgot I added this. I put ACC slash Notre Dame discussion because Notre Dame is they're kind of like on Facebook. They're not in a relationship with the ACC, but their status is it's complicated because they play some ACC games. And then they play Ohio State. Hats off to them for scheduling Ohio State at Columbus. I mean, I'm, I like it. You know, I'm, I'm going to love it that first week. But the ACC, and we're going to include. They got the ACC slash Notre Dame Facebook page where, you know, like <laughs> a group Facebook. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which definitely indicates that one of them has cheated before. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you said it. <laughs> We'll know what happened if it ever goes to the Tom and Deb Sims Facebook page. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> All right. So ACC slash Notre Dame discussion. We're going to look at the ranked teams. We will include Notre Dame here. So ACC has Clemson at four, Notre Dame at five, NC State at 13, Miami at 16, Pittsburgh at 17, Wake Forest at 22. So when you even if you don't include Notre Dame, the ACC's got five ranked teams. You include Notre Dame, they've got six. So you know, pretty, how much pretty, research did you do on this topic? <clears throat> what do you mean? How much research? I looked at helmet schedules. I mean, <laughs> is that as far as you went? I didn't do a deep dive into it. No. Well, I want to ask you the question because I I didn't know the answer to this until I until I started poking around and trying to to rehash it. Do you remember who was in the ACC title game last year and who the winner was? Uh, Yes, it was um, Pittsburgh versus – let me see who the on the other side is. Uh, it was Pitt versus, uh, I'm going to say, NC State, and Pitt beat them. Uh, you did get the champion right, but it was Wake Forest there. Wake Forest, and I wow! Could, I could I couldn't definitively recall either one of them. Like I was just guessing in my head. I was like, yeah. "Who in the heck played in that game?" So that was a little surprising to me when I went and run that down. Yeah, I forgot. I, my, and my choices were NC State or Wake Forest. I knew it wasn't Clemson. I didn't think it was Boston College or Florida State. And Louisville possibly, but so is Wake Forest. I mean, what a joke. What what a terrible – I do remember the tickets. You know, Bama-Georgia tickets were probably going upwards of $500, and the Wake and uh, the Wake and Pitt game was, you know, buy one, get one free. It was pretty embarrassing and pretty embarrassing attendance as well. But uh, division winners, I think we return to the norm in the Atlantic. They, of course, we have the Atlantic and the Coastal. Atlantic, I've got Clemson. Uh, just I don't see – they're, they're going to be good. I don't know what they have at quarterback – I guess they're really counting on Ungungale again to to do better than he did last year. And the guy's got the tools. He's got the body. He's got the physique and the arm and the speed. But I just does he have the it factor? And that's just not something we're going to know until they until he's facing live bullets again this year. But their their schedule. I mean, they're at Georgia Tech to open up, and that's actually the neutral site game. 
It's at uh, the Georgia Dome. But, I mean, Clemson's close to Atlanta. They'll travel. I mean, I figure Clemson will have more fans than, than uh, Georgia Tech will. And then after that, I mean, at Wake, NC State, at BC, at FSU, none of those games really scare you. At Notre Dame on November 5th, that is going to be interesting because we don't know where Notre Dame is going to be what uh, mentally after – after their schedule because and just when I was wanting to give Notre Dame props on their schedule they do play at Ohio State they play at North Carolina they host Clemson and they play at Southern Cal which they play Southern Cal every year so you know on the front end that looks like a great schedule but man they don't play anybody else they play the service academies they play Maybe Boston College. Let me see if they're on the schedule. Yeah, that's that's nothing more than a four-game SEC schedule. Yeah, I mean that's it. You know, sign us up for you know sign us up for A and M, Florida, Auburn, and uh, and Tennessee, and then a bunch of also runs. And I like our chances, but I've got Clemson in the Atlantic. Who you go with? Uh, yeah, I got them too. I, I agree. They're going to get back on top. One of the things that's going to be Nasty, nasty for Clemson this year is going to be that defense. You know, as as you know, we wrote them off or or, or poked fun of them a little bit because it was the first time in, in forever they weren't in contention. They were knocked out of the playoffs in what like week three or four. Yeah. Um. But uh. But when when the season was all said and done, and they did not make the ACC title game because they ended up dropping, I think, a third game. I think they end up six and two in the ACC, and then uh, lost Georgia three overall yeah. with the loss to Georgia. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's not it's not like a disastrous season, but when you look at it, they finished second in total defense in the country last year, and only behind Georgia. And their entire defensive line comes back. Like, two of them were high, potentially fairly high draft picks last year, and they both opted to come back. And they have a fourth one who rotated in and out that's back. So they're they're four deep on the defensive line, and at least three of those four uh, are no worse than second draft NFL. Uh, I think one or two of them may be a top ten picks in yeah. the first round uh and, and they get they get more guys i think their their all-american safety is back there too is coming back so their defense is going to be really nasty and i think you hit on it a while ago if ungaba uh can get the uh offense going in the right direction that'll that'll be the difference whether they have an outstanding season or they're just you know waiting on their defense to get them as far as they can yeah well, I don't know about the all all American safety returning, but I know they play. <clears throat> Dabo likes to play daddy ball in the in the defensive backfield. You know, some good old boys from that he from Bama. He he put back there Kevin Turner's son, and uh, just he he wasn't Nolan Turner. He didn't get it done. He had like that great interception two or three years ago against Ohio State, and then he got absolutely roasted the next time they played. So he he's a liability. But the defensive front is going to be legit. I don't know if Skalski's back at linebacker, the the one of the dirtiest players. I mean, he would have been, fit in great at Auburn, as dirty as he is. He he helped us out two years ago. He speared um, Justin Fields, and bruised his ribs or broke his ribs for the national title game. That was a nice little bonus from Skalski. But I I just don't see anybody beating him. And in the in the coastal, I have North Carolina. And I just, man, I don't know. Like, can we trust Miami? I, I love how these teams 
are getting a lot of credit that are they're recruiting well and they're getting a lot of credit this year with no history tennessee tennessee is getting a lot of credit they signed that quarterback or they're going they're he's verbal they're gonna sign him he like eight million dollar nil deal and uh he's like the third third best quarterback in the country and I'm like, so Tennessee is a hot name, and Hendon Hooker, which Hendon Hooker did have a good year last year when they let him start, but and then Miami, they're they're buying recruits left and right like A and M did, and they're getting a lot of heat on their name. I'm like, okay, we do realize these people that are going to be there that are going to be good supposedly, they're in high school this year. Like Tennessee's got a lot to prove to me. Miami's got a lot to prove to me. That's why I really couldn't trust them enough to go with them, and I went with North Carolina. You know, of course, they play Notre Dame at home in week four. And, uh, that, you know, win or lose, that won't count against them. At Virginia Tech, at Miami, at Duke, I mean, they, if they can get two out of three of those. Pitt at home, at Virginia, should be wins. At Wake Forest, I would lean North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and NC State. I just see if they can get through October 1st through the 15th at 2-1, and one, Virginia Tech, Miami, Florida, at Duke then I don't see anybody being able to challenge them in the Coastal. Uh, yeah, I went, I went Pittsburgh for, for a, a, a similar reason as I went um, uh, Iowa before and, and based strictly on schedule. Or, or not strictly. I mean, they are the defending champions, so they have some talent there. And uh, they, they have, I guess... Uh, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's it's their seventh game before they have to go to a true road game. Now they they do play at Western Michigan in week three, but you know that's even out of conference, so it doesn't really matter. But their first true road game is not till their seventh game, so they could legitimately be again six and zero, oh, and that that first road game is at Louisville, who is probably not going to be very good. So they could be seven and zero going into the uh, game with with the team that you picked at North Carolina, and that's a tough game to win. But at seven and zero, you you can still likely afford to lose that game because um, they do avoid Clemson this year, mm-hmm. and uh, their next hardest game on, uh, on the schedule after North Carolina is is the finale, and that's at Miami. So they did pick up both those teams on the road, which which will make or break their season. But with the other games that they'll be significant favorites on, I believe in all of them, um, at Louisville and at Virginia probably will be single-digit favorites, but they will be favored there unless they just lay an egg the rest of the, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I have them favored in 10 out of 12 games, and the two games they're likely not favorites at, I don't see them being more of a three- or four-point underdog at Carolina or Miami. And they may even be favored at Miami if they get through Carolina earlier. So, you know, I, I like Pitt. I, I, I think it sets up well for them again this year. And uh, I like them to get back to the championship game. Yeah, I was I was on them or Carolina. And the reason I went Carolina, I'm not even sure what they have coming back. But Carolina has Mac Brown and Gene Chizik, two well-versed, well-respected coaches. I mean, Chizik, I know we laugh about him as a head coach, but defense coordinator, he's outstanding. And Mac Brown, 
is is a good head coach. And I mean, they lost Kenny Pickett. You know, they lost a, a first round quarterback to Pittsburgh Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I but I don't think it matters. I think Clemson. Uh, I think Clemson wins in the championship game. But uh, Art, a surprise. What's your surprise? No one sees coming. I'm gonna piggyback on my uh, my pit pick here. My surprise that no one sees coming is that after just telling you about Pitt's schedule, it it's it's reasonable to think that they could be undefeated going into that Miami game. And so win or lose in that Miami game, and I think they'd probably have to win for the real surprise, but Pitt could actually make a run at the playoff. Yeah, I mean, if they run the table in the <laughs> ACC and beat Clemson in the championship game, they're in. So that's that's my surprise. Tom, I put in parentheses something no one sees, and you understood the assignment because nobody sees that. <laughs> I've got Wake. I got Wake winning ten. Uh, I think that'd be a surprise, even though they they were in the the championship game last year. They start out with VMI at Vanderbilt, Liberty. That should be win, win, win. They do host Clemson. That's a loss. Then at Florida State, Army, they've got to get those two. And then BC at Louisville at NC State. North Carolina, I'm going to say they drop North Carolina. And then they beat Syracuse and at Duke. So I'm going to say Wake goes 10-2. and two. And then a given, ever, something that everyone sees coming, Dabo Swinney embarrasses himself and his team at some point in the year. Uh, yeah, very, funny. Whether it be a TikTok or a halftime interview or <laughs> post game interview, he embarrasses himself. Uh, my my given was Dabo will provide more wine than this year than I enjoyed in Europe. <laughs> I like it. I like now, it. Now, hey, hold hold on. We forgot. In the Big Ten, and and now in the ACC, yeah. we're up there. We forgot the Big Ten to do the game of the year. Yeah, I noticed that. And let's go ahead, since we're on ACC, let's do game of the year, and then we'll flip back to Big Ten. That was my mistake. I'm sorry. So game of the year, This is, and I put in parentheses, this can be a non-conference contest. I have mine. I'll let you go first since you caught the mistake. So what is your game of the year in the ACC? I went Miami at Texas A&M week Damn it. three, I think. That's what I, I went should to. Never let me go first. <laughs> should never let me go first. Um, I just think that the hype on both these teams, just like you were talking about a while ago, preseason hype, whether it's warranted or not. I mean, it certainly hadn't been for either of these teams. It's not an extension of of past accolades. It's it's more of a, a promise and a hope for what's coming based on intangibles like recruiting. I, I say intangibles. I mean, that's not necessarily intangible. It just hadn't translated to the field yet. People are guessing that this is the year it translates. Um, but one of these teams have to lose. And so they're, they're both sort of in the same boat. So whichever one of these teams drops this game, I think that's going to be a huge disappointment for the fan base. I mean, because it's early in the year. You know, they, they've got everything in front of them right now, and, and both of them think this is their year, uh, but they both can't be right. And that's, I think that's a, a pretty good hyped-up game there to see who's going to be disappointed. Yeah, I, I went with that game as well. And the reason I went with it is because – I don't think Miami beats at, at wins at A and M. 
And it's not that A&M is just so much more talented. They are talented. They're, they're young, as we talked about the last podcast. You know, they signed one of the best classes ever. And so they've got young talent. But I, and I still think they're going to be good enough to beat Miami. But let's say Miami wins that game. They've got a chance to go to Florida State or to host Florida State. And I fully expect them to be 8-0 and or maybe 7-1 and because they start out with Bethune, Cookman, Southern Miss at Texas A&M. So we're considering they beat Texas A&M to go to 3-0. and Middle Tennessee State gets them to 4-0. and Then they got a bye week going to uh, hosting North Carolina and then at Virginia Tech. All you got to do is split those two games. And I think they could split those. I, I don't know where the win and the loss would come. I guess I'd have to go with North Carolina being a loss since I put them in the Coastal Championship. But let's just say they split those two games. They're at 5-1. and one. Duke makes them 6-1. and one. At Virginia makes them 7-1, and one, hosting Florida State. I mean, they're in the thick of the, the playoff picture there. And, of course, they next to last game, they're at Clemson. So I guess their hopes would be dashed there. But it, it's going to be a springboard for whichever team wins. And I think much more so for Miami if they win based on – A&M, if they win, they've still got Bama, they've still got Auburn, they've still got LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. You can laugh all you want. Mississippi State beat them last year at Texas A&M. So A&M is just, you know, it's it's a nice win. But then you have to, you know, they have to turn around and win some other big games, which I'm not sure they're capable of doing. And I've got Clemson. Go ahead. Well, well, I'll I'll piggyback on that because I think you raised a good point. Uh, I think – Miami beating Texas A&M is a bigger deal for Miami than Texas A&M beating Miami. Yeah, 100%. You know, and and, and I don't know. Miami is, Miami, well, uh, let's see. Are they ranked? Yeah, so Miami, Miami's 16, yeah. and uh, A&M's, what is A&M? 12 or something. 8 or maybe? 9, something? 12, 14, yeah, I don't so, know. So, I mean, technically, the teams are relatively close ranking-wise and projection-wise, but just from a, 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 just a pure uh, football perspective, everyday fan, how it appears mentally, it's a much bigger win for Miami than it would be for A&M. Yeah, plus the whole ACC versus SEC, you know, because we match up a number of times. You know, Florida State, Florida, and Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia Tech, Georgia, and uh, there's one more in the east that I'm misplacing right now. But that would be a feather in the – that would be a chip in the ACC purse, purse. if you will. Chip (laughs) in the purse. (laughs) All right, so I'm going first. Oh, oh, my my champion, I've got Clemson. Did you have Pitt winning the ACC? Uh, no, I had Clemson winning it, but my surprise was if Pitt won it, okay. they, they would be a playoff team. I've got Clemson winning, but I've got Clemson with two losses, so they do not make the playoffs. They they go 10-2, and two, they win the championship 11-2, but they get left out. So now let's flip back over to the Big Ten, the game of the year. And I'm going first, just in case you're going to steal my thunder again. I've got no surprise here, Ohio State, Notre Dame at Columbus. Notre Dame will be exposed. I've got uh, – Ohio State winning 42-14. to 14. I don't know why Notre Dame is ranked fifth. The only reason I can think is because they're going to try to hype this matchup up in week one of number two versus number five because Notre Dame, they lost their coach. I don't know what players they lost. Does it really matter what players they lost? It, ha- it happened. When they run up against elite competition, they lose every time. 
But the reason this is the game of the year, the winner of this game can easily afford to drop a game and have no worries in making the playoffs. If no, if if Notre Dame was to win, heaven forbid, all they got to do is go eleven and one, and they're in the playoffs. No questions asked because they'll have that that chip in their purse on in in Columbus. And Ohio State wins. Hey, love them or hate them, Notre Dame has name recognition. They've got clout. And even though Notre Dame could go seven and five, eight and four, it's still the pundits are going to be like, oh, Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Like, that's a big thing nowadays. I don't know when. Oh, they were five. They were number five when they beat them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But now, (laughs) let us beat beat number one to open the year and let that number one team fall apart. And they're like, well, they're not even ranked anymore. So it's a double standard, especially when it comes to Notre Dame. But that's my game of the year, Ohio State. Kick back. Pop a cool one and watch uh, C.J. Stroud carve them up. Yeah, I agree. He's going to carve them up. That was not my game of the year. Uh, but like you, I went out of conference again for it. My game of the year, Penn State at Auburn. For, nice. uh, for uh, um, almost the same reason, but on a different spectrum than the Miami A&M uh, game. You know, Miami A&M, winner there, uh, a, a, a huge boost forward. Conversely, here, the winner doesn't get a boost in either one of these, except for internally. I mean, from a national perspective, neither of these teams are going to be fair, you know, really competitive in the national landscape. But I think we need to concentrate on the loser of this game. The loser of this game in my opinion, could take a significant nosedive. And you've already alluded to it with Franklin. You know, yeah. if uh, if if all or Penn State drops this game in, in week three, their schedule gets significantly more difficult after that. And I, I agree, he could be in a lot of trouble. They could they could drop a lot of games. But Auburn's gonna be in the exact same boat. I mean, Auburn's already been picked to be last, like you said, in the SEC West, now traditionally, just like we talked about last year, heck, being last in the SEC West is still a pretty good spot mm-hmm. uh, comparatively because th- there's just good teams over there. But if Auburn was to lose in week three, you know, they're going to win the first two games, a couple cupcakes, two and one, and they'll likely win that Missouri game. But if they lose to Penn State and they're two and one and, and possibly three and one in Missouri, uh, they actually they may struggle with Missouri. I you know who knows, but but losing the Penn State game puts them up for an LSU at Georgia at Ole Miss, Arkansas at Mississippi State. That's their easiest game in that stretch at Mississippi State, and, and then you follow up with year. Texas A and M and Alabama in the last two out of three. So, uh, I I just feel like that's a nosedive game for the loser. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. And there was something – oh, yeah, Calzada, the guy who beat Alabama last year at Texas A&M and transferred to Auburn, and he's currently running third team. So, it appears <laughs> that maybe he had his Steven Garcia game against Bama. And hats off to them. I rewatched some of that game the other night. We had the lead in the fourth quarter with about five minutes left and absolutely could not close them out. Couldn't close them out and could not get another score on the board because they scored a touchdown, tied it, we punted, and then they kicked a field goal to win it. So, but – yeah, good good pick up there, Auburn on Calzada. He can hold the clipboard and, and signal in the plays. 
reason, who's uh, who's their starter down there right now? Finley? TJ Finley, and then some guy running second team is named Robbie Ashford. Don't know. Is that a baseball transfer that came back in? I feel like he's that guy's gone. I don't recognize that name, and I keep up with Auburn, you know, just because you keep one eye on your enemy. I don't know the kid. Couldn't tell you what year he is. <laughs> couldn't tell you what state he's from. But apparently he's running second yeah. team right now. So, well, congratulations, All right. Robbie. Yeah, well, that wraps us up. And so next week we'll look at the Big 12 and the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-8. What are they now? I don't even know. I think they're the Pac-12. We'll look at those two conferences. And That's uh, only assuming they're still together next week. <laughs> yeah. We'll, prog- we'll prognosticate <laughs> the outcome so you can take that to the bank. And, uh, and then, hey, like I said, two weeks from this week, we will be in game week of Alabama's first game. So exciting. We know who our starting quarterback is going to be. We know who our, I think, starting running back is going to be the transfer. Our starting receivers are going to be transfers. Our starting left tackle is going to be a transfer. So we, uh, we, we have dominated the transfer portal, and we've got the best defensive player in college football. That is nice. That is a nice feather in your cap or Topher chip in your purse, if you will. So That's right. And on top of all that, because we're going to get lost in the season, they are crushing the recruiting trail right now. Crushing yeah, it. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, another unbelievable class coming in hot. So loving it. Loving it. Well, Tom, uh, lastly, before I close, I moved my daughter, my oldest daughter in Alabama, two weeks ago today. And uh, last week was Rush, Rush Week, hashtag Bama Rush. Uh, she didn't go viral on TikTok. She was very careful because some girls got kicked out. HBO apparently is going to do a documentary, and she was terrified because they kicked some girls out. They thought they had microphones on them, or maybe they did have microphones, and that's a big no-no. So uh, she was very careful. But she, she uh, I don't know what you call it, pledged. I don't know what the, the term is, but she got a bid to Alpha Chi Did Omega. she get a pledge pin? <laughs> nice. But she, she is uh, Alpha Chi Omega, and um, and the bill came in uh, two days ago on email of what I owe for the first semester. So, Tom, my traveling days are over. That was supposed to generate a I thought it was all free. <laughs> hey, actually, she told me. I think it was her. Maybe I read it on the, the Twitter machine. I can't remember. But some girl asked, like, day three of Rush, said, does this cost money? <laughs> Like if you make it. So, yeah, yes, honey, it costs money. So anyway, my traveling days are over. I'll have to live vicariously for you. But uh, Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll tide. Roll tide, guys. Have you Take seen it easy. Junior's grades?